1: It's the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always, and tonight, breaking down the commitment of 2022 four-star wide receiver Andre Green Jr. Uh, We'll go in-depth, take a look at exactly what he's going to bring to the table for the Tar Heels uh, when he does arrive to campus uh, this offseason. Carolina uh, really excited to get him in along with a bunch of guys from the state of Virginia. We'll also talk about that. Carolina's success in the state as it looks like. uh, They're pretty close to done. They may uh, potentially be looking uh, to get one more prospect out of the state, and of course, there still is a chance that Carolina could find somebody in the late signing period window that they focus in on, but uh, we'll talk about the success that they've had there so far. Uh, and the success of the 2022 class overall. And we'll also talk about a couple of the other names to keep an eye on here uh, before the early signing period uh, comes to a conclusion. And then, of course, uh, even if some of those guys do end up extending it a little bit further, uh, we'll tell you about uh, a couple of names you should keep an eye on. And along with me to do that is Zach Hubbard. And uh, first of all, Zach, how you been doing, man?
0: Been doing well. Been doing well. Glad to be like back. Glad to have some more recruiting news to talk about.
1: So let's get into it. Yeah, and look, this is a big one for Carolina uh, for many reasons. Uh, you know, first of all, again, state of Virginia extremely important for Carolina in this class. They've had a ton of success there. And now they land the number three prospect from the state of Virginia in Andre Green Jr. Um, this one I, th- I think the reason why it feels so big is because. This was one that within the last day or two before the decision, it really looked like it, Clemson had wowed him enough to potentially overtake uh, Carolina in this race. And that was uh, something that you know kind of felt a little disappointing, I think, in most people's minds, seeing the quotes that came out following his visit, uh, where his dad basically said, look, Carolina was the leader coming into the weekend, but we're not sure that they're the leader coming out of the weekend because Clemson wowed us just that much. And it started to get some of those vibes very similar to a, a few years ago, not the exact same scenario, but somewhat similar to when Clemson came calling for Trenton Simpson Carolina was in control of that recruitment and the minute that they came calling he ends up going there. Andre Green Jr. was a little bit of a different scenario but Back what Clemson offered in June, it really changed his recruitment. Carolina at the time was dominating that. He was one of the guys that when I used to write when I was writing the articles in the offseason about who would be the next commitment, he was a name that popped up pretty often. Uh, but that really changed his recruitment, and you know gave him a little bit of pause. He wanted to do his homework on Clemson, and it came down ultimately to Carolina, uh, Clemson, and Georgia, but really Carolina and Clemson. Uh, And they get the job done, Zach. And and, and this is huge. This is definitely a tip of the hat uh, to the coaching staff. And, you know, uh, Dre Bly has done so much in the state of Virginia, but this one really goes to Lonnie Galloway and Jay Bateman, who is his secondary recruiter on this one, as they close out the deal and, and, and get another huge win on the recruiting trail against Clemson.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, I think it is a combination of factors. Obviously when you mention a recruitment in Virginia, you gotta mention Drake Bry's name in conventional dive. It seems like he has his hands at least partially in almost any recruitment in that state, especially in the tidewater area. But you're right, it is a big win for wide receiver coach Ronnie Galloway and the defensive coordinator and safety coach Jay and sort of tag team on this one. Uh, another thing I think to mention here, as we've mentioned in the past, is peer recruiting. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll hear me mention it in the past. You'll hear me mention it moving forward, whether it be in North Carolina or in Virginia, having guys, having peers that are you know, recruiting you to the school that they're committed to that want to say, hey, let's come build something here. Hey, let's... know be involved here that's you know that is one of the strongest factors in any recruiting battle you can talk to really any coach over the past 10 15 20 years that has built a national title contender you can speak to you know nick Saban. you can speak to davos Winnie, you can speak to ed orgeron or anyone on that list and they'll tell you about those first few classes when they had peer recruiters in there um, that really sealed the deal. So I think that's an important thing to note here as well is that North Carolina already had guys like George Petaway and Zach Rice in the fold to go along with guys they already had on campus, such as Tony Grimes. So I think that's a big factor here. But then another thing to mention there, like you mentioned, this is another big win straight up for North Carolina against heavyweights like Clemson and Georgia. They went head to head. Uh, for guys such as Travis Shaw, um, went head to head, obviously for for guys um, here as well uh, with Andre Green Jr. And this is a guy that Clemson won. I mean, they were earnestly recruiting him. They got the last official visit, and this is another one that Carolina won. So I, I think that we're seeing sort of a continued shift here. I mean, early on in the, Bra- uh, the Matt Brown tenure, we we saw that you know North Carolina would get involved involved in some of these with Clemson, whether that be you know, a Trent Simpson or this past cycle, uh, some of the quarterback targets that they had, such as Jaden Lucas on the day We've seen here, specifically with Travis Shaw and now Andre Green Jr., that the tide has somewhat shifted in those battles. You're seeing North Carolina win these more outright against Clemson. I think that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I think that's something to really key in on as, as a... Uh, as a shifting factor, um,
1: just overall with the state of recruiting. Yeah, no, you're 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 right, and and it's so huge for Carolina because this is this has been an issue for them for a while now, e, e, mostly in their own state. Uh, you know, let alone going outside the state and competing against Clemson. They've struggled to protect some of their own in the state. And as I mentioned, I mean the one that, you know, definitely comes to mind is is Trenton Simpson because that was one where Carolina felt so good about where they were. They knew that if Clemson never offered, he would be a tar heel right now. And that that one was a setback. Then you get into this recruiting cycle and you're recruiting well. You feel pretty confident heading into the month of June. And you end up losing a commitment from Dalen Everett, a guy that coming into the week of his recruitment, you felt really good about him. Um, Then Sherrod Koval, another guy that you were on top of, you end up kind of backing off of him a little bit because you're a little more focused on Jay Pope. Um, But... That's one that you still tried to keep at arm's length. You still tried to uh, sort of keep him in the fold. And he ends up committing to Clemson. Now you've been trying to get... you know He's been on campus a couple of times. But it doesn't seem like he's very receptive. At least out from the comments uh, that we've seen the past couple of days from him. Uh, that he told one of the Clemson websites. Uh, when he was talking about him trying to recruit Andre Green Jr. So uh, to get Travis Shaw was the first big one. And... And a lot of people, I think, said, well, look, this is a guy that's been tied to them for so long. He's got so many friends that, you know, have been around the program for a while. That's the main reason that he went to Carolina. Okay, well, you know, or I I saw a lot of people saying, well, that's just one win over Clemson. Can you back that up? Well, now they do that with this commitment of Andre Green Jr. And it gets Carolina something that they really do need. Um, we talked about it a little bit last night on the live edition that we did of the podcast, uh, me and Josh Marlowe. This, this is a position that Carolina, it, it quietly snuck up on them. But they th- this has become a need for them. Uh, you've got Josh Downs in the slot. Uh, who has been tremendous. Um, Antone Green is a guy who could come back next year. Um, I think At this point, it looks like he's going to come back because he's not a name that's been mentioned uh, that that's going to be honored on Sunday. So he, he's your guy that could potentially be your deep threat for next season. Still not a long-term solution there. So somebody from this year's class that they brought in uh, amongst J.J. Jones, Kobe Paceauer, They've got somebody's got to emerge as that deep threat, but there's not that guy that can go up and get the football and it's become noticeable as the season has gone along that you do not have that guy that you can throw a jump ball to in the red zone and that has definitely hurt because if Carolina can't find the end zone on the ground, they really haven't been able to find the end zone this year. So to get a guy like Andre Green Jr. in there, I think is big because, Zach, when i watched his film, this is pretty much what this guy does, is catch jump balls. That's almost his entire highlight reel, and I think that's fantastic and exactly what Carolina wants.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think to sort of go to the comparison of where the offense is now and how Andre Green Jr. will fit into that, you kind of have to look at the pieces that they've lost over the past few years and sort of the the things that have been in flux this past year. I mean, from this past draft, um, they lost a guy in De'Ami Brown. You know, he made his A... Uh, running go routes, running straight down the field, uh, getting separation, and immediately going up and catching the football. Not necessarily in those sort of end zone phase scenarios as much, but he got open down the field and then was able to go up and get the football. I think Andre Green Jr. can give that sort of element to the offense that they've been missing on the outside this fall. And another receiver to mention, one that's a little unclear what his opportunities are, is he it could come back if he is not able to come back due to eligibility, mm-hmm. is a receiver in Bo Corrales, sort of as you mentioned, that, that guy that was uh, for a time, you know, a very reliable red zone weapon for the target offense. It was just, you know, for a while it was Sam Howell. on some drives it was multiple plays, just throw it up to Bo Corrales if he either gets it or doesn't, but he's going to get it eventually going to go, up, he's going to turn those 50-50 balls into you know, 70-30s or 80-20s. And that's the main thing like you mentioned that I think Andre Green Jr. can provide. So you really you're seeing sort of the, the two different models of outside receivers that North Carolina has used up until this point sort of styled in Andre Green Jr.'s game. And as you mentioned, uh, this season it, it's really been difficult to find consistent at those outside receivers. Obviously you have Josh Downs absolutely killing it from the slot, but this target offense uh, we've seen so far under Phil Longley, they need that sort of, you know, that change of that second option at the wide receiver position. Um, When it was his time here, it wasn't just Daz Mooson, it was those other guys. It was Deion Brown and it was Bo Corrales. Now it's you know, Antoine Green is starting to come on a little bit, but you need multiple guys in that position. So I think that Andre Green Jr. certainly can fill that role. Obviously, it's going to take time. It's going to be him getting in you know, college strength and conditioning. It's going to be you know, him getting up to the speed of the game. I'm not going to say by any stretch that I'm going to predict that he's a starter next year, but I think just... His ability to really do multiple things on the outside, I think it will be hard to keep him off the field in some capacity uh, next
1: season. Yeah, I, definitely, because here's, here's the thing. If you're looking at him and saying, well... If Travis Shaw is not gonna have a major impact, how is he? Okay, I mean I Travis Shaw is a top-rated guy, but remember that when you go into the trenches, because of the fact that most guys usually have to add weight, usually have to add strength, and even some of the technical things they've got to get adjusted against better offensive linemen that they're going to face, it takes them a little bit of time. For the skill positions, it's it's not as difficult to get yourself out there out of the gate, and especially with this wide receiving core, look, this is not a thin wide receiving core by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not as deep as it once was earlier this season, and really, you look at the guys that are in that class that I was talking about that came in just this past year, J.J. Jones hasn't really played a whole lot, we've seen a little more action from him later in the year, but he really hasn't I've gotten to a point where they feel comfortable giving him a ton of reps. Uh, Kobe Paceauer hasn't played really at all, and neither has Gavin Blackwell. Um, And with Blackwell, it makes a little bit of sense. He's a slot receiver. Maybe he can break in on the outside a little bit, but I I, I don't I, I don't know if, if that's really where he's going to have the most success. Um, so uh, you know, I, and and then you talk about Justin Olson. I mean, look, he's played a, a lot here recently since the transfers of Choffrey Brown and Emory Simmons, but he's he's not a guy that's really been an imposing threat on the outside. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, look, you know, with Bo Corrales, I think the thing is is he's participating in Senior Day for a reason. Um, and it's because, I mean, Mac Brown made it clear today and sort of cleared up any of the thoughts. The reason he's participating is because he's unsure as to whether or not he's going to be able to get the extra year of eligibility, and he wants to make sure that he has a Senior Day. Um, from what Mac Brown made it seem, that means he could be looking to come back uh, and it seems like that's what he's trying to do. It's just he's got to get that clearance from the NCAA. So if you get him back, then you have him and Antoine Green that will be battling it out. Um, those are probably your veteran guys. and You would imagine those are probably your starters, Then with Justin Olsen. But I think after that, there right now is an opportunity. Unless somebody steps up uh, you know, before they get into uh, you know, the spring, if somebody steps up in the winter in the weight room or something like that, It looks like it's going to be pretty wide open. I don't know if Andre Green Jr. is a guy that's coming in early, but if he is, I'm with you. I think he's got a good chance to come in and make an impact here uh, for Carolina, and they kind of need it because I think outside of him, you you know of course if, if if Corrales returns that's the other guy but if you're looking at the younger guys that are going to be those red zone threats for you I think it's probably him and then probably tight end Bryce and Nesbitt and that's really about it so he's going to have a chance to really step up and earn a pretty big role um, you know I I think the one thing that's that's interesting about him is that. You know, he's a guy that if you watch the tape, you'll say, "Okay, well, he can't really be all that fast because we're not seeing him constantly, you know, outrunning corners." That—that's really not what's highlighted on his tape. But it shows at times that he has a little bit of speed. And and you said it there. What what makes you think that he's a guy that's going to be able to play sort of that role that can not only beat uh, corners deep but also be that red zone threat?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there will be a few options there, um, and, and like I meant, I, I don't believe that Andre Green will be enrolling or enrolling early, excuse me. Uh, but just with the way that this offense wants to rotate wide receivers, I, I think you'd be hard placed to not see sort of him at, at least get some reps, you know, in that first year just to get his feet wet. I mean, it, it's just a, a certain level of athletic ability. Uh, it's, it's hard to keep off the field. Uh, we've even seen some, you know, some, and some may call them far fetched, We've seen some Julio Jones comparisons from some people in terms of this guy. I, now, I'm not going to go that far as to say that. That's hard to say. But at the same point, I mean, this is a real deal receiver. Uh, not the only receiver in this class as well. You, know, you also got to think of the other wide receiver they're bringing in as well and Tyshawn Chapman. So I, I think the next season with the guys they're bringing in with, you know, the 2021 class being, uh, you know, a year older, a year in the system. I I think that these spots, depending on what happens with Bo Corrales, um, I I think that there will be some opportunities here for for some of these younger guys to really step up. And and another thing you have to think of as well, um, and this is not always a factor, but it is something to think of here, um, North Carolina will likely be breaking in a new quarterback in 2022. Mm-hmm. Sam Howell, of course, announced as going through his senior day, heading to the NFL more likely than not. Um, still the slightest sliver that he might not, but that seems to be the most likely scenario. So, uh, in all likelihood, it's going to be a quarterback battle between uh, Jacoby Criswell and Drake May for that spot. Now, who's going to take it? We can't say right now. We really haven't seen a ton of either guy. at this uh, We saw some flashes from Drake May, certainly in the spring game, and it does look like we'll see one or both play this Saturday against Wofford uh, to sort of give us a taste of what 2022 is going to look like. But the reason I mention that is you have a guy in Drake May and Colton Criswell, they're young guys. They have probably greater connections with some of these younger receivers, greater Mm -hmm. chemistry. Uh, So that's also a factor to take into play as well is what's, you know, Obviously, Gavin Blackwell is not going to play over Josh Downs, but does that sort of experience of being, you know, coming in with Drake May and then knowing him from the seven-on-seven seven circuit, how, how does that play? How does that chemistry factor into whatever the passing attack in 2022 is? I think that that's another factor as well, and that's that's all going to go into the mix there in 2022.
1: Yeah, no, that's I mean, look, that that's very interesting. Um, and, and I mean, the one, the other, the other way that you could look at it is well, Gavin Blackwell had a relationship with Sam Howell. He played with them in high school and didn't have a huge role this year. But I, I think that's the thing is you really just don't know what that depth chart looks like beyond Josh Downs, Antoine Green if he's back, and Bo Corrales if he's back. Other than that, I think that everybody else is pretty much going to have an opportunity to earn some important reps. And, I mean, as we've seen, depth at that position is extremely important for Carolina because some of the guys are not going to work out exactly how you think that. That they're going to um, and, and there's going to be opportunities for other guys to step up and that doesn't even count the fact that there could still be injuries so there's a lot of youth in that group and, and I think that there's definitely an opportunity for him to play early on uh, when he comes in. I think, you know, if he doesn't early enroll, that, that does hurt a little bit. Those are, especially, you know, with with any true freshman, early enrollees are always going to be the guys that have a little bit of an edge. And that's usually the guys that you're going to see play at those skill positions are the guys that come in early. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, look, the the thing that this does is, once again, Carolina – gets another huge recruit out of the state of Virginia. And it is just absolute dominance in the state. We talked about this, Zach, when we were looking at... Right after we finished the 2021 class and we started looking at some of the biggest names in the 2022 class and, and, and the ones that we sought after the most, and there were a ton of them that came from the state of Virginia. Andre Green Jr. was one that was on both of our lists, uh, as was you know a guy in Zach Rice that uh, is inside the top ten overall. Carolina got both of those guys. They got four out of the top five in the state of Virginia. Uh, seven of the top 20 in the state. Um, it, it's just absolute dominance, and we talked about it a little bit earlier. That Drake Bly deserves a ton of credit, but this staff as a whole, and Mac Brown deserves a lot of credit for this too as well. They have firmly secured the pipeline to Virginia once again, and right now. Uh, they look like the team to beat in the state of Virginia going forward. And and there are a ton of guys that we're already seeing in the 23 and 24 class uh, that it seems to be benefiting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the situation over there in the state of Virginia, um, the, the in-state powers in UVA and Virginia Tech have not really taken a hold in the past few years, so much so that Virginia Tech is currently looking for a new coach. So, you know, whoever's hired for 2022, it's going to take them time to really get in here and build those relationships and build that equity within the state that North Carolina already has at this point. Uh, UVA obviously has done well on the field, but that has not translated for them necessarily on the recruiting trail. And I think they're very much in their identity are fine with that with that sort of situation at the time so you're really looking at schools outside of the state that are coming in and making hey you do have you know your Clemson or your national team I should say. you have Clemson's, Alabama's, Georgia's, LSU's come in and take you know a guy every now and again um, and then you also have some of the local big Ten powers you'll see schools like uh, Penn State, like Ohio State, and then an independent in Notre Dame uh, they like to come in and sort of take From North Carolina in the state within the last few years and while there's not any specific name so far in 2023 or 2024 sort of nailed down as oh they're 100% getting this guy or that guy it's really hard to not see you know another cropping of high-level virtue prospects to North Carolina just because of those relationships that have been built and the high likelihood that we're going to continue to see guys from the state of Virginia make an impact. We've already seen uh, Tony Grimes, at quarterback, certainly make an impact as a, you know, a guy with tons of starting experience. Um, in the 2022 class, obviously, you've got a running back, George Petway, that's a position of need. And you got an offensive tackle in Zach Rice, that's a position of need. Those are guys that are likely to factor into the rotation, maybe not starting, but into the rotation, they will certainly be names mm-hmm. um, moving forward. So you've got all these guys from the state of Virginia, not only that chose North Carolina, but have, have and will show, more likely than not, You know, a tangible path of, if you're from the Tidewater area, if you're from Richmond, if you're from Appalachia, this is where you need to go. And there's a clear path to show you how you can stay close to home, not home because you know, Virginia, North Carolina, but close to home, and still have success, play high-level college football, and, you know, develop yourself for whatever that takes, whether that be the NFL or something beyond that. So I think that that's a big factor here is, you know, there's not another local name that's really making an impact there and North Mm Carolina is really filling that void and looks to continue to do so in 2023
1: and 24. Yeah, I, I... Virginia Tech, and it's been kind of shocking to me over the last couple of years, Uh, they just have not done a great job in their own state. Uh, The team that's given Carolina the most fits in that state, um, you know, I mean, Clemson's given them some, some fits there, but Virginia's the one that's probably been the biggest competitor. They were the team that was the biggest threat to Carolina for Zach Rice, and most people thought heading into his commitment, he was going there. So, Outside of that, I think you're right. I think there really is just kind of a drop-off in competition, and Carolina has just been able to take advantage of nobody else, especially in that Tidewater area. They have been able to take advantage of nobody else being able to really gain a grip there and, and take over that area, and it's working out very well for them. I think they've got a continue to do that in their next class. But here's the thing, and we'll talk about it with the 23 class once, you know, this class officially wraps up. Carolina will still do their work there. That's it's a talented class there, but it's not as talented as this past one now you go back into the state of North Carolina the 23 class in the state of North Carolina extremely talented very similar to the 2021 class here so that's the thing is that carolina with the with with how well they built the pipeline they can still keep that you know pretty strong during 23 and then back in 2024 we're already seeing some guys in that class out of the state of Virginia that are going to be some extremely high level prospects you can go back and really turn your focus there and that's the thing that i think carolina has shown here is that they can when there is a special class in that area in the state of north carolina and i think you know it'll be interesting to see here over the next couple of years if they're able to do that you know in that pipeline going down to georgia that's where I think if they can get to that point that would take the recruiting to even another level but look they've, they've taken the recruiting to another level just by you know taking control of the state of Virginia Carolina now with the number nine overall class uh, in the 2022 cycle according to 24/7 sports composite team rankings and now they are you know securely number one in the ACC um, they, they extend you know their their lead overall against Clemson. Thompson. And again, this is a smaller class than Carolina has had in the past. And, and, you know, prior classes, the reason Carolina was ranked as high as they were was because they were landing more prospects than some of the teams that were behind them. In this class, that's not really the case. This is more of the quality instead of the quantity. And it, I think it's, you know, something that should, you know, Carolina fans really need to take notice of that even though the talent level has improved over the past, Couple of years, it's really taking a step up here in this 2022 class, Zach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, it is more of a top heavy class, really, because of the scholarship situation, not only for North Carolina, but throughout the country um, heading into 2022 after the, you know, the uh, sort of the situation with COVID and 2020 Mm -hmm. and then. You know the decision to allow super seniors, there's going to be, you know, some numbers decisions at really every school in terms of what their roster is going to look like, how they're going to get 85 scholarships. Um, so, I, I think you're sort of seeing that play out in the 2022 class. Um, they're not likely to sign you know, 25 freshmen in this class, it should be well below 20, I think, at this point. Uh, but it is a top heavy class, like you mentioned, it's, it's a class when. If you look at the average star rating, uh, which is a, um, you know, part of uh, the 24-7 composite, they'll show show you the average star rating. North Carolina currently listed at 92.03. So well within that top 10 range. I believe it's about six or seven in the nation. Um, And and just if you want to look at the classes ahead of them, uh, number seven, Texas, is at 90.26 so that's below North Carolina's average star rating. Uh, Number five, Penn State is at 90.44 and number four, no game is at 91.99. So you have some of these heavyweight schools that are juggernauts in recruiting that have lower average ratings as compared to North Carolina and simply have a higher position in those ratings because they have more guys. Texas at 22, Penn State is 25. Notre has 22, while North Carolina still only has 16. So, like you mentioned, and that bears out through the numbers, this is a class that is filled with quality over quantity. And while, you know, that's not going to cut it for everybody, you have to look at it from the scenario of, you know, you have the guys that you have on the roster, you're only going to lose a certain amount to graduation. So you need to get 85, and all of those spots even the ones that are limited you're filling those with quality so so i think it is really a plus that they you know they have limited spots for the 2022 roster and they're filling them almost entirely with high level guys they're filling them with five stars they're filling them with top 100 four stars you know if you just want to look at the ratings numbers there so it is absolutely a benefit uh, to the Tar Heels even if, you know, if none of those guys are starters in year one, which is not an expectation, you know, that we ever want to place on true freshmen, but, you know, regardless of what their contribution is, just by, you know, the basic rules of what we look at in recruiting, not all of these guys are going to pan out, but the number of them, you know, that have these high ratings are going to pan out. So you're just seeing the overall talent of this roster continue to improve and improve and improve, and I think it comes at an interesting time. Not to say necessarily that what we've seen from Clemson is done, is over, but obviously this year for them has been a downward year as compared to, you know, the last four or five years that they had before that. Uh, obviously, just in the ACC this season, it's been pretty wide open in, in terms of teams that are, you know, competing for the Coastal and for the Atlantic, and you're likely to see, you know, we've already seen – a one-coach change in Virginia Tech, firing Justin Puente. There are others that can certainly pop up. Miami could be looking for a new coach, mm-hmm. uh, for all we know. Um, you can see coaches from other schools leave to some of these open jobs. Um, so I think that there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the ACC moving into 2022. Uh, and yet you still have North Carolina here continuing to build the talent of that roster, continuing to you know keep this infrastructure in place, uh, and just sort of offhand, we saw rumors this past week of Matt Brown, you know, potentially retiring at the end of the season, that he came straight away and denied. that I'm not going anywhere. I still have time left here at the university. So, you know, take all of that information together, you really see North Carolina sort of solidifying itself, at least in principle, as the most consistent contender in the Coastal at this point. You know, we've said that for a while, and, you know, they're setting themselves up to the most consistent ACC team outside of Clemson. We've even seen Clemson falter so far here in 2021. Um, And even, you know, the the results on the field have not been what North Carolina has wanted. Mm -hmm. Just as an overall program, we're still seeing the build.
1: Yeah, I I mean, look, there's no arguing that this season definitely has not been what they were expecting. Uh, But the thing is, is that even though the season hasn't been what they were expecting, they're still landing these big name guys. I mean, you gotta think. They've landed Zach Rice and Andre Green Jr. in a season where they are 500, and they were expected to be one of the top teams in the country. They were a top 10 team preseason. So, it it looks like people still believe that this is the situation right now that gives them the best chance to try to unseat Clemson. Um, And I mean, look, is, is the door wide open? I'm not going to say that, especially with the fact of that, that Carolina hasn't taken advantage of Clemson being down this year. But I would say that coming into this season, I feel like most people, when you look at the, the door of the ACC per se... Most people looked at it and said, I mean, look, you want to believe, but it feels pretty closed off. It feels like Clemson's still got this thing in control. Now it, it it feels like that door's open just a little bit. It's cracked just a little, and you've got a little bit of an opportunity. So I think you know, the more talent that you're getting in, the high-level talent that you're getting in. I, I, I think your point is, is correct that, look, not all of these guys are going to pan out, but you would imagine that some of these guys are going to pan out. In some of the recent classes here, even where Carolina's had a ton of success, um, you know, especially the one from two years ago with a guy like Dez Evans in there. Dez Evans is a guy that was really—he he was a guy that was a borderline five star. He ended up finishing as a four star, but a lot of people looked at him as a five star. And outside of him, there were a couple other guys that were rated, you know, decently high, but. You know it, it's there's a lot of pressure on him to be the guy because well, you're the one nearly five star player that we had in the class, in this class you've got multiple guys inside of the top 100. you've got just about every single guy that you've got in this recruiting class is considered a blue chip prospect. you know we talked about you know the top 500. that's kind of where we look for what we consider the blue chippers. I think there's what. Two or three guys in this class that are currently outside of that ranking, and even some of those guys, you have to, you know, f- have some pretty solid hope for. Especially considering what we've seen from a guy like Cameron Rucker in his time so far at Carolina. So, I, I think that you're you're getting these high level players that if you want to get to the point that you want to get to. Uh, you, you've got those types of guys on your roster. And at this point, I've said it multiple times um, you know during the regular season editions of the podcast, you've got to adjust your goals. Your goal now should be we need to take advantage of the ACC Coastal first and turn that into the area that we dominate before we start thinking about dominating the ACC or winning the ACC multiple times. That's the thing that you've got to get out of the way first. And I think right now, they they have to be the favorite heading in that direction. I know Miami still recruits at a high level. I know that some people may be a little bit scared by the name that we heard earlier today that was rumored uh, to possibly be interested in the job if it comes open in Lane Kiffin. But everything that Mac Brown and his group uh, you know are doing right now um, is getting Carolina in position to at least get the job done. You've got to be able to get the results on the field. But in terms of recruiting, they're doing everything that they need to do there. Now it's about being able to convert on the field. We'll be back to the Heel Tough Vlog podcast after this message from DraftKings. Let's actually pay the bills here on the podcast and tell you about DraftKings and a great opportunity that you have coming up this Thanksgiving. Of course, you're thankful for family, you're thankful for food, and you're thankful for free bets. That's right. Well, yes, of course, you're thankful for us, too. We keep you informed, and we're pretty entertaining. We're kind of ugly, but, you know. Uh, That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer that you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game, including his Cowboys, if you want to bet on that, How about them? And win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Who do the Lions, do they play the Bears? I wouldn't bet on that if they play them. Uh, <laughs> I believe they played the Bears. I bet on the Dallas game. Um, If... Sportsbook isn't available in your state just yet, though. You can still get in on the Thanksgiving NFL action, make your first deposit, and you can play for play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point in the game. That's promo code TPPN this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's talk about some of the other guys that are still available. Uh, in this class, or at least guys that may be committed and could possibly still be looking elsewhere. Um, Because, look, this was Carolina's biggest uh, remaining uh, target that uh, remained uncommitted. Now, uh, I mean, look, Benji Gosnell is the one guy that Pretty much, Carolina is targeting that is uncommitted at the time. So uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see where the focus kind of goes for for Carolina. Does it go on, you know, some of the cornerbacks uh, that we've talked a little bit about here, uh, that, or the safeties? Excuse me, that we've talked about here uh, that are committed that Carolina um, has definitely taken a look at. Does it, you know, go towards the 2023 class? But with Gosnell, I think the the, the interesting thing with him. Is that right now he's in the state of Virginia. He was a guy that was at East Surrey High School um, in Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, which is where Jefferson Boaz went to high school. And of course, his brother, Stephen Gosnell, went to high school. So Carolina's had a connection with him for a while now. And he, for it's looked like Virginia Tech has been the main spot for him since he decommitted from Ohio State. It's still possible that he could end up at Virginia Tech, but Justin Fuente has been fired. You would imagine that a good majority of his staff will probably not return. There may be a guy or two that does come back, but it probably won't be many of them. So I think the door... Maybe open on this one. Now, the thing is with Gosnell is that some people have looked at him as possibly a linebacker. I'm not sure if Carolina has looked at him in that respect. I think I remember somebody saying that they were looking at him more as a linebacker than a tight end. But I think that this is definitely a name to keep an eye on now, now that Justin Fuente is out of Virginia Tech. Hey. Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of as we've discussed just first off in terms of you know Benji's position.
0: Could it be tied in? Sure. Could it be inside or outside linebacker? Sure. I believe from highlights that I've seen of him recently, I've seen him playing somewhat of a, you know, wildcat quarterback. So it's really hard to say where he would fit in positionally. There's not sort of a clear defined path there, but he certainly is an athlete. I think that, you know, that those that have watched him are pretty comfortable saying that. So I think the situation where, you know, if they have the space and want to take the chance and see sort of where he factors in, somewhat what they did with Jefferson Boaz, you know, taking him in, taking him as quarterback, seeing if he'll work out there, seeing tight end is a option for him down the line. Just getting athletes in the door. Um, you know, even if you don't have a clear plan for them, if it's a guy that you feel good enough about that he can help you in some capacity down the line, You know, you're certainly within your right to take him. As of right now, in terms of his recruitment, obviously, as you mentioned with Justin Fuente out at Virginia Tech, we really don't know what's going to happen
1: in terms of their staff moving forward, in terms of if
0: anyone is retained. The news is so fresh. We really don't have, you know, a clear idea of who the primary target is going to be at the job overall. We likely won't know until, you know, December, January. If then. So if North Carolina really wants to make a push here, now would be the time to do so. And I think that's something that we'll you know, continue to watch over the next few weeks is as they sort of manage these final few spots, is that a and that they're going to give the green light that we're going to pursue you? We would hope to assign you. Um, that could be the case. It might not be the case. It's hard really to say at this point, but it is certainly one. You know, as the primary uncommitted target, I'd say it's one of the biggest names to watch moving forward in the 2022
1: class. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's I, I think you're right. It's it's kind of hard to gauge where exactly Carolina is um, in terms of their pursuit of him. Is this a guy that they see as a take right now? Is he a guy that's really, uh, you know, pushing to play the tight end position? And if he is, is that a position that Carolina still feels like uh, is a need right now? They are losing Garrett Walston, but you would imagine that from some of the flashes that we've seen, Bryson Nesbitt is going to get a good amount of playing time over the next couple of years. And Kamari Morales is a guy that definitely has a role for this team moving forward. So he's definitely interesting to monitor. When it comes to the guys that Carolina is attempting to flip, let's start with Will Hardy. He's a guy that Carolina has, you know, they, they hosted for a visit at one point during the season. But it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of smoke here. It seems like every time that it gets brought up about him potentially being a target for Carolina, there's something that comes out of pretty much reassuring that he is going to stay committed to Virginia. You know, again, most of that comes from Virginia websites, so maybe that's what he's telling them, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot on the Carolina websites about him that would sort of contradict that. So I think at this point, when it comes to Will Hardy, that's a guy that uh, Carolina is looking at, but I think they probably uh, are going to have to look elsewhere at safety if they want to try to flip somebody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think with this recruitment overall, it was a a candidate commit uh, to Virginia that really um, was pretty firm about you know, holding true to the idea of a commitment, saying, you know, I committed to Virginia. This is where I said I was going to go, and I'm going to hold fast to my word. So I think that that was a factor here just in terms of a sense of loyalty to Virginia and to the staff that recruited him there. And while he did visit uh, North Carolina really just to gauge those waters, I, I believe either this past weekend or the weekend before, he did visit UVA and sort of, you know, solidify his commitment there. So I do think on the whole, that ship has likely sailed. Now you can never say never in recruiting about anyone, um, but I think that for the most part, North Carolina is going to need to look elsewhere for safeties and
1: defensive
0: backs in their 2022
1: class. And one of those spots could be Jake Pope. Uh, Carolina did host him. I believe it was the 16th was when uh, they hosted for the for the game against Miami. They hosted both him and Hardy. Um, and you know, with Pope. It it doesn't feel like there's a ton of smoke there. It's not one that's inevitable or anything like that. We've seen some of those in recent years. It's not at that point yet. But it is interesting that there doesn't really seem to be anything coming out about him sort of trying to steer any of that any any of those thoughts away. It seems like there is a, you know, a legitimate chance here that Carolina could still make some waves here. And you wonder now with Andre Green Jr. Uh, you know now in in the pocket, uh, is this a guy that Carolina really turns their full attention to, and I think the other thing that 's interesting here, Zach, is it, we don 't really know the exact status of, of where Jay Bateman is at in terms of his job security because this definitely hasn 't been the year that many envisioned on the defensive side of the football. That was a guy that Jay Bateman really, really liked and thought would fit his defense very well. So, if he's a guy that Carolina could potentially being uh, be, be looking to move on from at the end of the season, that could play a big role in this recruitment as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in terms of Jake, obviously committed he to Alabama at the time. Uh, on that front, what I can tell you is he's been pretty quiet. He's not been one of the sort of you know peer recruiters. Uh, for Alabama that he has officially visited there. He has somewhat, you know, firm that up to some degree. But obviously, that chatter around North Carolina is still there. And, you know, as you mentioned, he's not really doing anything quite like And Alabama is obviously recruiting other defensive backs as well as, you know, any team in their position would. Well, they're going to continue to, you know, recruit um, multiple guys at your position in basically every class. And, you know, it's on you to sort of get into the uh, system and really compete. Uh, which is the same at every school, but, you know, is even more so the case at schools like Alabama, like Georgia, Ohio State, places like that. Um, I think personally for this recruitment to proceed even further for North Carolina, they're likely going to need to get him on campus for another visit, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that be for a game week or, you know, maybe sometime in December if he can you know come back for maybe a a midweek or a weekend visit then. Who knows? You know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, and what happens from there, I can't say. Um, with the status of Jay Bacon specifically, just my personal opinion, I, I don't think that he will be let go this season. I think he'll at least get one more season to sort of, you know, show why he was hired in the first place. Um, so, amongst staff members that would uh, potentially not return in 2022, I don't think that he'd be on that list, um, but that is a factor that you have to think of. and those are things likely that Jake is aware of. Uh, I mean, these kids are um, very online literate, very internet literate. They they hear these things. They hear sort of the rumors about coaches, about programs, things of that nature. And. You know, they internalize and keep that information in the fold. So that could certainly be a factor. Um, I feel better about North Carolina's chances with Jake Pope than I do with Will Hardy, Just a comparison. I don't see either as likely, unfortunately, at this point. So sort of as we've mentioned in the past, it, it's more likely than not going to be on North Carolina to sort of work to... You know, late bloomers in the 2022 class uh, look to the transfer portal, things of that nature to sort of fill those spots. And I think that, unfortunately, that's really a process that has to play out in real time. I mean, with uh, these kids entering the transfer portal, obviously there are some information behind the scenes a lot of the time that, you know, sometimes coaches and... You know, recruiting staff, things of that nature will have a little bit of heads up, but for the most part at least from our perspective, you know, we really don't know about a guy entering the portal until it happens and you know, it can be for any number of reasons and those are all situations that the, the staff have to evaluate thoroughly. Uh, Matt Brown has been on record as being pretty cautious about the transfer portal um, not wanting to you know take a whole bunch of transfers in there they want to make sure that first off they have guys who they can trust to the work at, they can do the job, but also they've mainly just used it to get guys that are going to either start or contribute you know, pretty significantly in whatever the upcoming year is, such as we saw this past year with Ty Chandler. So it, it, it's really hard to say mm-hmm. what uh, North Carolina does at the position at this point. I am absolutely sure that they're going to continue to look, and at this point. Um, Really, with the defensive back position, it's really a waiting
1: game to see sort of how they want to attack that, finish out the 2022 class. Well, the other thing is, I know Sherrod Koval's a name that's come up. I I don't see any chance that that happens. I I think the other two guys, they've at least taken visits to campus, and, uh, you know, there feels like there is at least a slight chance The comments that came out the other day from Sherrod Koval pretty much tell me there's absolutely no chance that he's going to decommit from Clemson and and, and flip to Carolina. So I agree with you. I, I think Jake Pope's probably your best chance, and I'm interested to see with that probably being one of Carolina's main focuses going forward, does that change things? But I think that... It's, if they're going to add someone else, which I think they will, I would be shocked because we've seen it each of the last two years that uh, Dre Bly has found a guy late in the process that he's gone out and gotten in the... Late signing period. It feels like that could be a possibility again here. You know, one thing that's interesting is again, there are a lot of coaches that there, there are a lot of changes that are already coming to college football, and there will be more probably over the next couple of weeks here. You know, Virginia Tech, as we mentioned, is freed up already. They've got a couple of defensive backs that are currently committed there. Don't know, you know, Carolina's interest level in some of those guys, but they definitely could be, you know, people to keep an eye on here. Over over the next couple of weeks. Miami, as we mentioned, could be making a coaching change. So there are definitely some teams here where there could be guys taking a look around when their coach gets fired and saying, okay, well, let's see what else is out there, and Carolina could jump in there. But yeah, with the transfer portal as well, that's the other aspect of this. And I, I think that's an area where Carolina's, Carolina's got to hit that area hard. There's There's no doubt in my mind they have to hit that area hard. Um, this year, I think definitely on the offensive line you're going to have to find guys, especially if everybody that 's being honored on senior day uh, on Saturday ends up actually leaving. Um, you would be without four of your five starting offensive linemen um, here late in the season so uh, there's there's a chance that um, you know you 're going to have to get one, if not two guys that can come in and immediately start, and maybe even a guy that uh, you could bring in that could compete and potentially start for you so they're going to have to find some guys there. Um, I think wide receivers, an area where they could definitely look. Running back, uh, there, there hasn't really been somebody that stood out uh, in, in that group of backups, and it, it's a lot to ask these true freshmen to come in and be, you know, big time guys out of the gate. Be guys that can handle, um, you know, being the one-two punch, uh, you know, right from the get-go. Especially if they're not guys that are going to early enroll. So Caroline is definitely saving some spots for the transfer for Portal. I think at the max, you'll probably see them take one, maybe two guys uh, the rest of the way. And I I think it really just depends on who exactly the prospect is, um, and and if they look at them as as, as a guy that is highly rated enough to add to their class. Um, But again, I still think that there are going to be some late bloomers here that Carolina will definitely take a serious look at, um, and we will uh, definitely keep you up to date on all that stuff here. Uh, on the podcast side of things, as well as over on the website healtupblog.com, make sure that you guys go there and check that out. We, uh, you know, have had you covered on Andre Green Jr. We had the uh, the commitment preview, and you know, he he did a great job. I, I thought he was uh, a Clemson bound, especially from everything that I had heard, but uh, he ends up committing to Carolina. So then we had the article uh, to tell you about what exactly he brings to the table. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. I go a little more in depth on that on the website, so you guys can check that out. Um, And then we'll, of course, have you covered on National Signing Day. Um, It's going to be a big deal, the early signing day. Uh, This year is December 15th. Carolina signing what might be their best class of the modern recruiting era. It's definitely up there with some of those Butch Davis classes uh, that he put together in the mid to late 2000s. So uh, yeah, this this is going to be one that uh, you are going to want to monitor. We'll have the full breakdown of the guys that end up committing. Uh, most of them, as they have in years past, are going to commit uh, and so are, or are going to sign those letters of intent on the first day of the early signing period. So we'll have you covered with that. We'll also have you covered here on the podcast side of things with that as well, where we'll go in and break that down just like we did last year. Uh, so make sure if you're one of those recruiting nuts that you're keeping an eye out for all of that great stuff coming up. In terms of the in-season stuff, Carolina is entering uh, the final uh, two weeks of the regular season. They play Wofford this Saturday. That'll be senior day. Uh, we're going to have you know a ton of stuff on the website, a preview of that game, a recap, uh, as well as... Um stock report after the game is over. There's a bunch of great stuff on the up on the website right now about Sam Howell's future. He talked a little bit about that earlier this week. That came after Mac Brown uh, basically said in a roundabout way that this was uh, going to be uh, the final game for Sam Howell uh, in Chapel Hill. Um, basically made it seem like he was going on to the NFL. Uh, Sam Howell said that's not set in stone just yet. So we have an article up on the website to tell you a little bit about that. Uh, We also tell you if Sam is unable to go in the game for Carolina on Saturday, who should Carolina start? Uh, Is it going to, you know, should they go with Chicoli Criswell? Should they go with Drake May? We have an article up there for you guys about that. Um, And then, of course, we'll have you covered uh, when Carolina gets ready to play NC State. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff. Off on uh, Friday, November 26th, and that'll round out the regular season before we'll, of course, keep you up to date on where Carolina is going for their bowl game. So uh, amazingly, this season has flown by. We are nearly at the end of it already. and um, We've had you covered the entire way, and we'll have you covered all the way through uh, the end of the season and then eventually into the offseason Uh, In terms of the podcast, you can find it on the website, but you can also find it on any of the major platforms. uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, all those great uh, spots. You can check it out. Um, When you do, make sure that you subscribe so that every edition of the podcast goes straight into your podcast library. Uh, In terms of social media, uh, Facebook is the best place because we got all uh, the things that you need on there in one central location. All those articles that we talked about, all the audio editions of the podcast and then the video editions of the podcast as well are all right there. That live edition of the podcast that we did last night following the commitment of Andre Green Jr. to talk about that, to talk about Sam Howe's future, to preview the game against Wofford. All that stuff was right on that page for you guys. We saw a bunch of guys jumping in there. Um, so, you know, that's the best way is make sure that you like the page because when we went live last night, you got the notification if you like the page that we were going live. So that's the best way to do it. It'll appear on your timeline, all that great stuff too. Um, if, if you want to follow us on the other social media platform uh, that we use, which is Twitter, just search us at Log on Twitter. Uh, that's the main page. And then for our personal pages, for me, at Anthony, For Zach, it's at HackZubber2. And then for Josh, it's at HTVJosh. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Zach for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening and as always Go Tar Heels!